which is the, the Celtic West. Probably know a little bit about it yourself anyway. And so that's one of the Celtic nations. It's one of the actual other nations in the UK. And because of we're on the Celtic Sea and uh, we're also surrounded by valleys and mountains in Wales, it basically rains almost every day. Um, at some point in the day or rain and the sky is 70% overcast for the entire year. So it's kind of a light gray or a dark gray. It's always, usually, you don't always get sunny, but it's like that. Yeah. So I always dreamed of the sun. I always wanted the sun. Married a Middle Eastern lady. Had 11 years going to like a, a, a volcanically steaming hot country every year. Really? Yeah. And I realized. You know, I'm just going to face it. I'm a Celt. I'm pale ale. I'm not meant for that kind of heat and that kind of temperature. And I'm over it. I'm over the heat. I don't desire it. I don't look for it any longer. And that's yeah. just where I am. Now, you're in Wisconsin, is that right? Yes. Yeah. I'm right up okay. here. I'm I'm 13 mile, 13 minutes away by dr- uh, driving uh, to Bray Road. Ah, uh-huh. I saw that on your bio that you're investigating the Bray yeah. Road. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which is, um, and the Kettle Moraine, that's obviously sort of a, like a wilderness in that area. Is that right? Oh, yes. Yep. It's, if it, it, it's what the, um, during the ice age, what created the Great Lakes, the, uh, oh, wow. the, the remaining, well, you'd say ice caps or whatever, melting back, pulling back, actually left grooves, uh, yeah. with, with it, within this part of Wisconsin, which, Wisconsin's not mountain. It doesn't have mountains like the Pacific Northwest or, um, or even the East Coast. Not the East Coast, but uh, you know, like uh, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. All, the, yeah, all these in Kentucky. That, uh, but they are uh, three hundred foot dips, and, okay. and, and it kind of resembles what looks like a kettle, and that's where you get okay. the kettle, the kettle moraine. Because oh, it's yeah, so and it's heavily forested. These gentle dips, heavily, heavily forested, very okay. dense, and it uh, wow. it, it goes up from uh, it's about a forty minute drive from where I'm at here, but it goes up, and I don't do kilometers. So I will say it goes 150 miles. I do miles. Through, yeah, oh, good. 150 yeah. miles up through uh, the state of Wisconsin before it hits the Great North Woods, and okay. that's um, like Rylander. Uh, Eagle River, then that will break off out of Wisconsin into Michigan. And it's just, so I, okay. definitely I see a, a, a green path or something, you know, I that mean, they could actually follow. Yeah. Talking about green corridors, that's more than a corridor, right? That's uh, yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's an arena. <laughs> it's like it's an arena. Green, it is. It's an arena. Um, I mean, we talk about green corridors here. And what we're literally talking about is an actual corridor. You know, railway sidings, which are very heavily wooded, uh, rivers, dry rivers, things that seem to run all over the UK. And every single city and town that we have here, you've only got to step half a mile out and you're in the countryside. In every instance, you're in the countryside for miles and miles. And most people aren't out and about walking in those bits of the countryside. You know, we go to specific areas. Um, and there are very few hunters because not many of us carry guns mm-hmm. and there are places you can go to shoot pheasant and grouse and other people that carry small arms to hunt rabbits and things like that but generally speaking you know we don't have um a, an army of people that are boots on the ground for their own enjoyment out there in the woods hunting or traversing in that way so it's always reassured me 
that okay there is the space and plus there's the lack of human um human um occupation of these these semi-wilderness places that we have mm-hmm. but it's not the same thing with the u.s what i noticed when i was there even landing in places like atlanta it was just forest as far as the eye could see for as far as the horizon in fact i noticed that at the airport and i wasn't expecting forest in atlanta mm-hmm. um it was a strange thing and I, I think that for a lot of british people it's deceiving the u.s we're familiar with it we have this sort of relatability between the cultures and we feel like we know each other. I think we feel like we know you guys more because of movies and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we just don't actually understand the, the, the sheer vastness of the place. And right. Right. It's constant. I mean, that, yeah. that, that really goes along with that. Right. Tell me a little it, it, bit about the, about the area. Right. And I, and I always say that, uh, you know, even me here living in the United States, um, I've actually personally have never been to the Pacific Northwest. I know people have been. Um, you can actually study it by Google Maps or, you know, the satellites or just as what you can read about and learn about. But I've never physically been there. And um, my nephew, my younger nephew, said he, this was a couple of years ago, he flew out to Washington State wow. uh, from Wisconsin and he said, you know, because he's gone out with me into the Kettle Moraine. And mm-hmm. that lo- that looks immense. He goes, Jay, you have no idea. He goes, <laughs> it is, it's just miles and miles and miles in a plane, you know, to where it's mm-hmm. just nothing but vastness. Where I don't think, you know, any human has ever covered every square inch of, you know, these areas, you know. That's how vast it is. Well, on that point, actually, I was listening to an interview with Russell Accord, mm-hmm. um, Expedition Bigfoot, the other day, and he was talking about flying over that area and being told by, I don't know if it was the pilot or somebody involved in the journey, that planes have gone down there in that forest that they've never found. They've never found, correct. It's like Jets, you know, yeah, passenger it's like, planes. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's like a plane going down in the ocean, you know, not yeah. being able to track exactly where it's at. It's yeah. that vast. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've got no comprehension of that, really. And I, I think one of the problems I always have with cryptozoology is easy to imagine the Yeti in the Himalayas or the Orang Pendik. Um, mm. And the reason for that is it's easy to conceive of something you on, on the edge of plausibility in the far away and distant from you. And the US has that, that, has that aspect to it too. But of course, there's difficulty with belief even in that country in the possibility of undiscovered animals living in your environment Mm -hmm. how do you um how do you account for that how do you explain that you know to to other americans um that you interact with in your country that there could be large bipedal primates wandering around in your country that for some reason science hasn't discovered how how do you um, quantify that you know I mean, that's that's the million dollar question. It really is, yeah. especially when people will say, uh, you know, some of these beings could be up to seven, eight, nine, ten foot tall. Some yeah. larger in some cases, weighing approximately eight hundred, a thousand. You know, it's like how could something like this mm-hmm. exist? Well, we were just talking about Washington State, yeah, and they they can't find planes. That would be, I would think, a little bit easier, uh-huh. but yet. 
how are they discovered or how are they have been uh, seen yeah. in all these other parts of the United States and especially Wisconsin. You would think that something that big would you'd be out there would be no way that they would go unnoticed. Um, yeah. And and uh, how stealthy and how quiet they are. Um, how I could actually say being out there if you looked on again Google Maps, <clears throat> excuse me, and you look at this and you go, well, if you pan out, it doesn't seem that big if you're looking uh, at the Ozarks or if you're looking, um, you know, definitely in Washington, you would say, Wisconsin's really nothing. Yet, when you're out there and you're just a little pin drop and you get off that beaten path, you get turned around, you can get lost. In fact, um, we we have a, I listen to follow a Wisconsin scanner um, updates. It's like police calls type thing, but it's more oh, off, yeah. Facebook, off Facebook yeah. than just your regular scanner. And there are people that are uh, having to call somebody to come out there to find them. Wow. So it, it still is pretty vast because you do have uh, the kettles, you have lakes, ponds, um, thick woods that it definitely could. When I bring somebody out there and you're out there by yourself, just the two of you or however many you're looking at, you, you start to say, yeah, something that big could definitely, yeah. definitely live out here. It's, it's a perfect habitat for it. But again, how can something that big, that heavy, not be detected, not be seen in all these years? Well, you know, people do have sightings around these parts here. And, um, you know, with that being said, you know, you can't really take uh, just one or two instances when there could be hundreds of encounters mm -hmm. of saying something could live there. Now, you know, you know, when I first started doing this, I actually thought I was looking for a flesh and blood great ape. You know, just we haven't caught up with yet. Uh, there's a lot of people that are like that. I know the BFRO. Uh, they're strictly uh -huh. they're strictly flesh and blood. Um, but these, the encounters that I've had and that I've seen, it, it doesn't seem like any natural way of an animal to move. You know, I mean, even if you looked at the fastest jaguar, you know, in slow motion and fast motion and how fast they are, um, I had a sighting to where this, what looked like an auburn shape with hair on it, just for a second, it moved like a fly. You know, did you ever take a fly swatter and you're about to mm. smack that fly because he's buzzing you and you go as fast as you can, but he's gone? That's how fast it moved. And I'm like... What normal animal could could move that way? And so that, you know, I always try to keep that open mind of saying, mm -hmm. you know, it, maybe it is flesh and blood, but, you know, you, you're, you're already crazy if you say you're looking for Bigfoot. But now if you say they yeah. walk through, if, you, if they walk through dimensions, then you're really a crackpot. And if they come down through UFOs, you're, you're gone. But you have to keep that open mind. I can't look at it just as a, Flesh no, I mean, I, yeah, I totally appreciate that. It's yeah. um, and I love a lot of people come to that conclusion actually because uh, it's the same with things like Loch Ness and, and other things. I think there's an innate human tendency, um, to to believe that something has some supernatural power. If we can't solve it, 
or if we can't find Correct. it because it, right. it's some sort of hidden ego that the human species has. We say, well, you know, we can't really explain how that happened. Like the pyramids, for example. Mm-hmm. We just can't figure out how those guys could have been that smart because we think that we started off dumb and got clever. Mm-hmm. So we can't figure that out. Aliens, must be aliens. Instead of thinking, well, then at that point we were really smart and then we got dumb again and then a bit smarter and dumb and there were different right. stages at which we knew more and then knew less. Uh, England is a great example of that. We were far dumber after the Romans left and the Saxons came for the next you know, seven or eight hundred years than we'd been the previous 500. Um, and some of the technology that the Romans gave us, the Saxons didn't have any conception of. You know, all the roads fell into disrepair and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And yet they came later. Um, the Dark Ages, for example, things like that too, where we seem to lost knowledge uh, that we had previously. It just seems to me sometimes, and it's not a be I don't know the answer, but I, I always ask myself that question, is it, Andy, because you can't find it now? Mm-hmm. You say, well, it's because portals, you know, paranormal, supernatural. And I know you're a paranormal investigator yeah. as well, which is very inter- interesting. Looking for things like ghosts or um, poltergeist uh, manifestations or whatever else that you might investigate the how how do we squeeze or what would be the theory that squeezes something like sasquatch into that um into that genre as well until the paranormal you know i kind of uh as i was investigating the ghost phenomenon um i wasn't on the fence of that they were just people that have passed on and their souls mm-hmm. stuck around like Patrick Swayze from Ghost or Casper. Yeah. And they just moved on. However, depending on how you are, um, what you believe in your religion, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm definitely a Christian. The Bible yeah. does speak about uh, spirits. Um, yeah. But at the same time, because I think my God is all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty, and creates everything, all-loving, that the things that we don't even think that are possible beyond what we could even comprehend. And that would go with uh, parallel universes, multi-dimensions, that um, who's to say, you know, this this is kind of a long-winded answer, but I always say you've seen the movie Back to the Future where Doc Brown yeah. puts the timeline on the chalkboard. And But my string theory is, is that it, literally there is no straight linear line, that it's more like a bow, a, a, a Christmas bow, package you know a gift Uh like a bow on a package that's going forward backward under and around that i do believe that it's very well possible like let's in the the ghost phenomenon that the ghosts that we are seeing let's say they're we're in this one area let's say waverly here in the states it's an old asylum you know Mm -hmm. now you can go and investigate it but at one point it was new and it was a hospital so let's say, you know, when it was brand new, uh, back in 1910, you know, John and Sally are walking down the hallway and they seem to be having a, what I always say, a super long day or a super fast day. You know, we all have those. Mm-hmm. But w- what if, what if things are intermingling? They, they're having their long day. Next thing you know, they're, they don't feel like they've left that hallway, but really they have by the bow, the way that the, the time ebbs and flows and actually comes to 2020 where we're 
investigating Waverly down that hallway, and we happen to see a shadow person, and we, we're going there expecting to see ghosts. And well, we saw uh. a shadow person, and we see him for a second, and all of a sudden, so you, John and so Shelley. Uh, right. A time crossover, they coincide. Well, so exactly, almost, but, uh, like but, but a even, double negative. Yeah, well, John and Sally are still in that same hallway, right? Uh-huh. And they happen to see two shadow people for a second, and mm-hmm. they they document that as a ghost because that's what yeah. they were taught. Um, then again, you know what what we are reading in our history about ghosts. What if they were just reading about us? Yeah. Again, that, it, it's my kind of my string theory. That's of, very interesting. Oh, well, thanks. You know, I, it, it, it's not like it's anything. I don't want to say new. I haven't seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I started thinking about that in 2010, uh, uh, where I was in the office and there was a customer service person up front, and I heard the customer saying, "Oh, man, this day is taking forever." I heard, I heard that being said. Then uh, my salesperson came into the office while I was working. And this is totally unrelated to the same day. And she's like, oh, you know, this is such a long day. I, I mean, I was already feeling that. Then when a, another customer came in, the same thing happened. And I'm thinking, you know, I guess, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll think of like birds. Like you put a bunch of birds together. And if you ever go to a pet store or just see them out in the wild, if there's a bunch of them, if they're cleaning, the birds cleaning, they all seem to be cleaning. If they're sleeping, they all seem to be sleeping, you know. Uh, uh, going with your flock of birds, you know, flying with the flock. Um, And uh, so I was thinking, but how, how is that possible in this situation where all unrelated people having a long day? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's very different. So, you know, you know, that's where I started thinking that, you know, maybe on these long days, something's happening. Don't know what. But I'm thinking that when I start thinking about my my string theory of the bow, is that we're we're constantly everywhere. So where does this all fit with Bigfoot or any cryptid that okay. seem yeah that seem to come in and out of uh, of of our time? Meaning that you're following and I found these in 2014 in the snow. 12 set of huge footprints. I was trying to debunk them at the time. Mm-hmm. They just ended in the middle of nowhere. A lot of times, you know, today's uh, favor- favorable uh, mainstream thing of in the, in the Bigfoot world is they went through a portal. But what's a portal? It's such an easy way out yeah. to me. Yeah. You know, do they exist? Well, I imagine I've never seen one. I can't say that. But just like ghosts, I mean, what are ghosts? And can they come in to our reality and actually knock a lamp over physically mm-hmm. and then be gone but they're but they're not passed on again just a I thought what you're saying yeah i do and i i, I think that, that i mean that's a that's a very plausible theory the convergence of the um they're almost when you know when you've been animated in it pre-computers and you put the right. you know you put the um the trace you put right the trace over the picture you do and you add something else well, they're, they're existing at the same time, but essentially it's one picture. Correct. The detail, I, I, I can definitely envisage yeah. that happening. And my again, theory not, on, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go, no, no, you go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, just again, my theory. I, I'm not a scientist. I didn't go to Harvard, uh-huh. Yale, Oxford. 
I didn't well, go to any of these places. So, you know, I'm just saying unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, that doesn't prove uh, <laughs> intelligence these days anyway. Unfortunately, it doesn't That's seem true. to. Doesn't seem to result in sensible theories. Um, not that they aren't intelligent people. They come up with those insane <laughs> ideas. Right. Um, but it just shows that uh, the one thing that's actually uh, I've always found remarkable in life. Uh, similarly to yourself, I'm a Christian. I was I was nearly uh, a pastor many many years ago, but I decided not to do it. Did the study and everything. Um, I think at the time later I kind of realized that I was a Christian who was more really interested in in the background of his religion and what it meant more than being a you know a shepherd as well. Um, and that's always my place. Even I was always questioning everything about it and the history and what went into it and where the denominations and the, the theories or the cultures impacted that religion to create sort of a denominational slant. As it was in Protestantism or Catholicism, etc., how those things worked out and changed our world was amazing to me. And I often applied that knowledge to to cryptozoology because I realized um, how often faith or, or belief in Christianity can actually be very linked with tradition, things that aren't actually a part of Christianity at all, but have come in via culture and via time. So we had this, uh, and Bigfoot uh, has that same issue, that same problem. Theories that well-established people in our genre who are respective and it, uh, have introduced as ideas have become facts over time, or something that we all believe to be a fact that can't be, um, it can't be questioned. So one example was in my old church, there was a huge church organ uh, in the wall, and it'd been there for about 200 years, and it was coming apart it was basically taking down the sidewall um and they had to get rid of it and there was this big opposition in the church as if it was a sacred object you can't take down the church organ that's it's it's holy you know this is god's church and the pastor gave a great sermon and he said you know he held the bible up and said i've been all the way through this book you know, several times and i still can't find anything in here about a church organ <laughs> And That's what crazy. he was basically telling us is was when something stays within our, our faith or our philosophy for a long enough period of time, I may bring the point I know, it becomes sacred, it becomes written, it becomes uh, sacrosanct, and we can't get rid of it anymore, question it. And I wonder if we're coming to that place now in cryptozoology and the paranormal where you know, the trailblazers that came before us and took those brave stands and came up with those series we've just taken their precepts as word and we're building upon them instead of investigating the original foundations yeah, yeah. and uh, which i know it's it's all very well for me to say but i've got to investigate those foundations first but, but isn't that funny because it's like well i don't want to say funny um it's i guess it's the way we think right like you said it's yeah. almost like this uh this awakening to to think this way and i, I don't know if it's like you said um learning about uh, the Bible, your pastor ways. Yeah. Um, that's what I do. Uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not learning to do that, but, uh, always strive to learn more about what the word and the truth is. Yeah. Um, which then actually helps me, uh, try to, to try to find the truth of what's really going on out here. And it's not being yeah. the first one to, 
uh, defined it or or whatnot. There's too many people doing that in the world. Oh yeah, too much yeah. drama. You know, I, I like my my own little area. I like to uh, research it, go with friends, be the journey, but constantly try to keep that open mind. Like you were saying about the organ, what's going to end up showing up, you know, out on the kettle, a house. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just, yeah. You, you never know, but you have to keep that open mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's hope it's not a house made of sweets, Jay. Um, <laughs> right. there in the woods. Well, listen, um, yeah, I'm really fascinated. You've got the, the documentary Finding Jay, five years in the, the kettle moraine. You've had experiences out there. Have you had... Uh, just for people listening, have you had any graphic, very descriptive sightings? We've had the open shape moving very, very fast. I'm assuming that's a bipedal shape. Have you ever had a, something you would call a bona fide, indisputable Bigfoot sighting? Yes, definitely. Okay, I can that. say, yeah, I'm going to say that I've had four different sightings out there. And one, uh, which I, uh, which I, I'll, I'll just really briefly recap was I was out with my four-year-old daughter. It's actually in the documentary. And, uh, you know, she was four years old. But, you know, this is where people hike, bike. But this was in February. And uh, the the trails were kind of frozen. And she was really into, into ice skating. Father and daughter, you know, little legs, little hike. Just let's get out there. And she's skating around my feet. We're about to leave. And out of the right side, and I always say like a T-Rex because... Uh-huh. You know, like, well, we all saw Jurassic Park, right? So anything that oh, moved, yeah. you, you look at. And uh, something I, I, at about my 2 o'clock was moving, looked at it, and it, it was February, so everything was really brown, but this was definitely Auburn, and it was huge. And, you know, from the from the 80 yards that I saw it, and it looked, you know, just, just for that second, you got to remember, I, I looked, hair, Auburn, Boom, gone, like a blur. Never yeah. seen it move that way. So I had to question what that was. Um, was I seeing things? Again, Jay, if you're going out looking for Bigfoot, you're going to find it. And I said, you know, yeah. you're right. I always say, you're right. And if a turkey hunter goes out and looks for turkey to hunt, he's going to find them. If people go out and deer hunt, they're going to find them. If you're going to go shoot wild boar. You should find the thing you went out looking for, right? Exactly. So, But at this <laughs> point, this was kind of just... A hike and um but that's where the that's where it gets terrifying because my kids are my world i had my mm. little daughter here something moved that fast i don't care what kind of gun you had and which i wasn't i don't carry firearms for certain yeah. reasons um but uh you know I, I do have you know backups and everything like that bear spray that shoots 33 feet and you know and uh long machete and all that but you know what it doesn't matter if it moved that fast, it could have snatched my daughter without me knowing about it. And that kills me. I actually stopped yeah. researching for a month after because I'm like, I, I don't know what we're dealing with. All right, people want to say this is a, a, a primate we haven't caught up with. No, I, I honestly don't think so. So again, you were saying, was it definitive? Auburn goes with it. Size goes with it. Mm. The movement, No. That does not go with it. I, I would say that would go to something paranormal or supernatural. Yeah. Um, but that was it. And we actually, of course, made it back to our car. A daughter oblivious to what happened. Um, but in that same area a year later, again, now this was at night and it was in January. But in the Kettle Moraine, 
if you have enough snow on the ground and the right lighting uh, in the sky at night, and there was no moon, but even stars will give off mm-hmm. a good ambient light. You can see like an animal without flashlights out there. Mm-hmm. You can make out every tree, every shrub or whatever. We're actually sitting on top of a kettle looking down a 300-foot kettle. I was out with Mary Marshall, the paranormal MD. She was really interested in this. And we found this huge log. I want to say log, but it was like a big oak tree branch that fell. But you could fit, I don't know, like six or seven people on this thing. And we found a spot to sit, not in the snow, and stake out. It was perfect. And uh, she was sitting to my right, looking over my left shoulder. I was sitting on the left, looking over her right shoulder. And we're just hunkering down. You know, it's cold and everything. Mm. And all of a sudden, and I was saying, I, I really can't tell distance, but um, you know, the best I could say is to 20 yards away, maybe the best uh, from where we're at on the kettle of, of where I saw. I saw what looked like, you know, I, I, I said, because I recorded the audio, I wasn't prepared for this. And that's why people don't get good pictures of anything. It's because you're not prepared for it. You're going to sit down. You're going to wait for it to announce itself, you know, so you can get your camera out and your HD and your thermal and get that perfect. I wasn't ready, but I was recording audio. And what I saw was it looked like, um, I I say in the actual audio, it looked like a monkey. But what I was trying, the words we're trying to get out was it looked like the physique of a chimpanzee, gangly, gangly. And, uh, it was on all fours, but it wasn't like walking like a gorilla would walk on all fours. But it kind of had its uh, butt down and its his, uh, his left or his rear, the haunches a little bit, right right behind his butt a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it almost looked like he was sitting, standing, but all on all fours. But here's what's weird. I'm looking at this, and it moves behind a tree. Now, you would say, okay... It moved behind a tree. What's so strange about that? It looked like it was a statue of a huge chimpanzee, like man size. That's the, it. Didn't look like it, it was a short, squatty chimpanzee mm-hmm. like you'd see in Planet of the Apes movies or the new ones. Anyway, it looked long, gangly, and it was still in that position. And it moved behind the tree as if it was a statue on a cart with wheels, and somebody was pulling it. It never moved. It never gave any movement. It just it just glided, 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 uh-huh. and so right when I looked at that, of course, you don't have anything to record with. But not only that, but then you're really questioning your sanity, going, "Okay, well, I'm out here doing this, but did I really just see this?" And What's... yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and I always say, until this day, I can't unsee it, and that's when I, when we got home later that night. Um, you know, I, I sketched out like Richard Drivers and Close mm-hmm. Encounters of the Third Kind with Devil Mountain. This is something, you know, and I drew it out, but not a mashed potato. Yeah, no mashed potatoes, but <laughs> I did draw it out because it was stuck in my head. You know, well, good. I mean, I, I'd love, I'd really love to see that. Um, I've heard a lot of stories like this actually, and what I always wonder is how do you feel in that moment then? Because there you are, as you said, you talked about the fear when you were with your child and you saw them, mm-hmm. as a father, you assessed the tactical situation when you saw the power of the creature and the speed that it moved. So already you know, I'm outgunned here and I've got my daughter with me. 
what am I going to do, right? Um, or outmatched. And then you're there with your researcher friend, and you see what's essentially a very creepy sighting, you know, this creature on all fours, like a chimpanzee, but very, very long and big. Now, I get lots of descriptions like this about them going down onto all fours, especially at nighttime. And I think this is like a defensive thing. Could it be a bear? It's a mimicry of some kind, you know, just sort of not stand out. Because when you're standing, you stand out when you're a big person, mm -hmm. right? But you see this thing, and it's nighttime, it goes behind a tree, and you know it's still there. You're there in the dark. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about, about your safety, about the situation? What happens after you see that? You know, and that's the other part, because, again, in my movie, or in the documentary that I put out, all you got to do is start reading all the reviews on it because there are some really nasty ones that uh, they don't care, they don't care yeah. about my family. The one star, <laughs> I give the zero stars. Or yeah. the best is you bring your kids out. What kind of father are you? Um, the two, oh, you didn't have your camera. What a bunch of horse beep. But <sighs> it, it's basically this. You don't you don't know. If you've ever deer hunted, which yeah. I, used, I used to be a deer hunter, and I used to go in the stand at 5 in the morning yeah. uh, before the sun, and you get all set, you want to be as quiet as you can and wait for the light to come, uh, you know, the, the sunrise to come up, mm -hmm. and then you're as soon as it comes up, you're expecting to see all these deer that you can shoot at, but that's not the case. Mm. You sit, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. Next thing you know, it's getting time to get down. You just spent... What seems like a year in your tree stand, all right, you're finally, it's nothing's going to happen. You're going to start mm -hmm. putting your stuff away. All of a sudden, here comes a deer, just like that. And all of a sudden, you weren't prepared. Maybe I wasn't the best deer hunter that just never moved, but yeah, you have to or you'd fall asleep. Um, but it's the same thing with being out there is you're going to get in position. You think this is good that, you know, you're, you're doing all that. Boom, there it is. Okay, what do you do with that it's now? So hard. Yeah. Who's running their camera all night as well? You don't have well, that kind but, of battery. You're not but, running but your camera for eight hours. Yeah, I was going to say, but how about this even? Um, and this would go with uh, ghost hunting um, or paranormal investigating is if you're out with somebody and they say, oh, did you hear that? Well, I didn't, so I can't tell you if I did. Okay, the person's like, I, I just heard a sound. Oops, I just heard a sound way over there. And you're like, well, you know, maybe you did, maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't hear it. Well, think about this. Mary didn't see it. So here I'm telling her that I just saw a huge, a huge monkey, a chimpanzee. And her reaction is she didn't see it. So she's not going to get too excited about it. <laughs> and, you know, and people are like, well, why didn't you walk down to that area and try to find tracks? It's so easy to, yeah. to think of these things afterwards. But the one thing that happens right after we see that that huge branch branch that we're on begins to vibrate. Wow. Now, I thought it was Mary shivering, causing it to, until she said, are you doing that? And I said, doing what? And she goes, shaking the tree. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, it's like vibrating. But our feet, which were on the ground, were not vibrating. So curious. This was, you know, a good 20, 25 foot branch that we were on that I was thinking, maybe I was meant to look that way, but, you know, it's the old bait and switch you know the flanking uh what was behind yeah. us yeah and all this detoured us from investigating that spot uh -huh. i can come up with a million excuses of why i didn't and 
you know, maybe I should go back to school to become a better investigator. Everything but... is clear in hindsight. Right, exactly. In hindsight. There's, a, there's a story, there's a British researcher here. He won't mind me mentioning it, Neil Young. Yeah. And on my channel, there's a recording of what he believes is infrasound. So uh, he and a friend of his, they had some sightings in a forest in Northumberland, uh, Harwood forest anyway they were staking out this forest every weekend they were always there these guys for years and years before there was ever any british bigfoot phenomenon being reported or they were active researchers those guys were there and one night they're there and they've got their their uh, their recorder the sound recorder said they've got their cameras and they're going to stay in the forest where they've had activity and as time gets on they both start feeling really, really uncomfortable. They decide to go back and sleep in the car. They're really uncomfortable. These guys aren't the kind of guys to get uncomfortable and go back to the car. They're just not those kind of guys. And they do. The next day they come back, they get the recorder home. Later when they check it, there's the sound below 20 HC, like a, a growl of some kind, I guess. I thought it was very interesting. Were they getting, I hate that word, zapped, but, you know, were they... Well, you know, being hit with a, a bit of infrasound beforehand and made them feel like, oh, I don't want to be here. I want to get out. And sure enough, there was the proof. Yeah, I, I've had that in different uh, encounters about the, the zapped, I believe. Um, but as far as the log or the branch, I'm thinking, um, how did it just get the branch and not us? Yeah. You know what I mean? Why are we yeah. feeling the physical vibration of this? huge branch yeah but you didn't feel it in your body you didn't feel it on the ground it was like singling just that branch so that, that's where you think uh, but, can we do that ourselves technologically i don't know you know it, it, but at this point i was thinking that afterwards again yeah. uh, ne ne never there so you know you could uh leave your bad reviews on me on that but you know i'm thinking wait a minute what what if something was actually holding that branch and it wasn't infrasound and it was something physical just shaking the tree that we were or the branch we were on? Oh. That's what we were feeling, what was behind us. Um, you know, yeah, you know what that's what I'm saying is, I mean, who knows? And again, I don't know. And I didn't actually look for prints right there because we didn't hear anything because, you know, apparently they're so stealthy that you can't hear them come or go. Yet they're you know, almost 1,000 pounds, and you should be able to hear anything walk through there. So why? I don't know. Because I've also heard, like, um, total silence out there. Not that same night, but in different cases to where yeah. no animals. But it almost sounded like, I don't know if you ever remember those old movies, The, the Naked Gun or Get Smart, you know, with the, the, the cone of silence where they'd yeah. sit at the table and the cone would come down. It almost gave that type of effect as if yeah. you were in a – if you were – out in the kettle and a big bubble came over you and you that heard nothing. Strange. Right. So I don't, I don't know if that, if that has anything now, to do with infrasound as well. Would you normally, what sounds would you normally hear there in the forest of night? Uh, crickets? Yeah. Like if you were, uh, if you were going to go out on a spring, summer, yeah. fall, you'd definitely hear some frogs in a pond. Uh -huh. um, you'd hear the, uh, 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 occasional, the whippoorwill. It's like oh, a, it's a bird, right? Yeah, they're kind of a dusk night, and you'll you'll hear some owls every once in a while. You'll hear some crows, uh, coyote. Yeah. Not all at once. It's not like a zoo. Yeah, um, yeah. you know. But going out there, 
you you think you would hear more and that's the other thing is i try to get out there as much as i can but i'm not out there 24 7 i'm not a mountain man who lives out there that can tell you this is normal because i'm thinking there's really like no animals around here this is weird which yeah. is the other case of apex predator or something out there i, I don't know but I it's, generally, yeah, yeah, it's the, generally pretty quiet animals are smart that's why they're, they're smart within their their um within their world they they uh, they have the skills to survive in the, the world in which they live and even frogs crickets and all types of animals with tiny brains now when there's a predator around and they shut up oh exactly yeah they it, just it, shut up yeah I believe, I believe that they they the woods is their world so yeah they definitely know uh what's coming around the bend and what's not what's not right yeah. And like you said, when when to be quiet, you know what I mean? Mm, definitely. I've seen it. I've absolutely seen it so many times. I think we don't give animals, as humans, we don't give animals enough credit because they're not smart in the way that we're smart. We don't believe they're smart at all. And they really are. Right. They really, really are. Um, do you have black bear there in... Um... They, they're, they're more north, uh, more... Uh, northern Wisconsin and uh, right next to us, Minnesota. However, there has been a black bear that has come down through here, through the state line that went into Illinois. And believe it or not, they just kind of tracked it um, going okay. all, the, all the way to southern Illinois. So there are black bear, but the black bear are small. Um, okay. One of these uh, instances uh, for my film is uh, it was, uh, December of 2017, Really no snow, but it was kind of cold out. And I took both kids for just an afternoon hike. Again, it was going to be a quick one-hour hike in a circle back. And it was right before <laughs> Christmas. <clears throat> and um, that whole time I felt watched. I could be out there, mm. you know, a hundred times and never feel watched. And I felt watched. And I felt like my alert was up. But I didn't really want to, um, you know, give all that away to the to the kids. Yeah. I mean... They know what I'm looking for. They're also out there looking for that too. They're, oh look, an X, you know, in the trees, yeah. and you know, and we just we stick on the path. I'm always about safety. I always keep them ahead of me. Yeah. But there's one point where we we went around this one bend, and my son said he just saw something move. It was, I mean, he was using an eight to foot, nine foot. He he couldn't really tell. It was two years ago. He was nine, I guess. He kind of could have, but. I'm always like, hey, you know what? Kids are going to look for attention from their dad. That's what he's doing. And so I thought I'd humor him as, as well. And I record everything, every instance and yeah. every reaction and pull out the iPhone and I'm recording him. And, uh, but, but, he, but I know my son and he, he genuinely looked kind of freaked uh, prior to me filming. Um, I was trying to get out fast enough because I wanted to get that reaction because that's, that's truth to me because I know yeah. my son. And, uh, you know, as I'm recording, I come across this huge, dark shape in the woods. And it's weird because I am recording it and kind of looking with my eyes. And it's weird. And, and I really don't give enough due with in, in my film of explaining why I didn't keep it on there. Uh, I think in the, in the film I said, I just felt like I was doing something wrong. It's hard to explain. Yeah. I didn't really want to get into all that. It's almost like <clears throat> if you are in the wrong part of town, you are by yourself, you're going to get in your exactly car. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah if you were like in, like in yeah. your car and all of a sudden across the street, you see 
uh, two men trying to break into a car and you put your phone up to record them. Yeah. That, that, that's the sense that I got doing it. And, yeah. um, you know, and I got this really, we got to get the heck out of here. Yeah. You're and not an did, observer yeah. in a vacuum, you know, you're in the situation. Oh yeah. You and again, like in that like, situation, yeah. people don't appreciate that, that whatever you're recording has the capacity to react to you. Right. Um, recording, even pointing something at it. Many animals know. take, they would, they would take umbrage to that. You know, they would take well, a, a exception to that situation. Exactly. But, but it's weird because I was thinking, I wasn't even thinking of that per se, I guess. I think it was more like, Hey dude, I'm taking a shower here. Can you get that camera yeah. off me or, or yeah, something? Yeah. And it really was weird. And of course my, you know, my dad mode was always in, but now it went red flag. Um, yeah. Let's just get this camera off. We're going to pretend like we didn't see it. That's the other thing. You hear me talking to my kids after mm. um, and not bringing attention to it or anything and pretending like it didn't happen. Maybe whatever it was would not come and get me and my kids. That's yeah. kind of what I felt a little bit until we left. And then I felt okay. And then, uh, you know, going back and taking a screenshot of the video of um, said shadow, you know, again, you know, well, I, I've gotten ripped on that. Like, as soon as you took that camera, you know, for, uh, the reviews in Amazon, as soon as you pulled that camera away, I'm like, this guy is false. He's, <laughs> uh, he's a fraud. He doesn't know how to investigate. This guy's a piece These of people, crap. Though. Yeah, you know, you're okay, not let's there. Let's talk about this, actually, because yeah, yeah. You, you're out there. And, okay, getting trolled is part of it. I get it. I get it. Um. I give a little, if it's polite and everything, on my page, for example, I give a little sort of space for it, if it's, and I'll chat back and talk. But I always explain, you know, to people who are not happy on the page, it's a dictatorship and not a democracy. It's a page, not a group. So if I really don't like you, I'm just going to ban you. But, <laughs> you know, if you're not polite, if you're not nice. Um, but generally speaking, you know, we're used to this kind of trolling here. But people have this really weird concept. You know, you have something on there, your documentaries on, on Amazon, people can watch it. Great documentary. They have one this concept that you owe them some level of service and um, some, some uh, I don't know, fixed reactive, um, fixed reactive protocol that you're supposed to adhere to every single time something happens. Like you're explaining right. with the kids, you've seen something there, you immediately, your heckles are up, you've got the impression that you're intruding and you should pretend like nothing's going on. And as you can do with a wild animal, pretend like you haven't seen it and it sort of almost lowers its alarm right. level and on you go because it thinks it ha they haven't seen me, that's cool, I'll just stay right. here. Yeah. And off you go. People don't get that and they troll you. Anybody, I always think, anybody who gives one star for anything is not being honest because nothing's a one star. Um, a one star with a page paragraph is, no, 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 no. You know, when I look at your documentary this tons of five stars and a couple of fours and threes and there's a couple of ones and i think well this is just mean spiritedness and why do we live in this um this environment now where people are so eager to really stick the boot in you know um to really know. hurt you and, and what is it one, i don't know because you know a lot of people get a hold of me on facebook messenger or my other pages associated with my, my yeah. main page. And they're, you know, coming to me saying how much they enjoyed it. I just want to let you know, which is great. You know what, that 
you know, again, it doesn't go into the ratings of yeah. of where it, where it's at. But every one of those, every single one of those, I'll reply to because that is one special person yeah. that yeah. I created and touched their lives somehow. Did I expect this to be Avengers Endgame type movie? No, or Titanic, whatever the flavor is. Yeah, it 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 was a movie. It was a documentary of a story that started in 2013 up to 2000, mid 2018 is where it kind of ended. I'm still researching, but I I had to put that part out because it's just too weird. And the best part of that. So out of all the trolls, um, I have found people that have gotten a hold of me. They have no idea where I did this, right? In the whole documentary, I never said where I research. Would you believe they've had an encounter a year ago? Mm-hmm. And you know where it was? Smack dab in the middle of my research area. That's great. And this is validation, not only for me, and that I can come home and tell my wife, your husband's not crazy, but it's also to help. It's <laughs> also she doesn't to help. believe you. <laughs> I know. Well, she, she supports me, and she believes just just like me, you know, that God God would could create something like this, but maybe it'd be more, more on the Pacific North, you know, Northwest. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it helps validate the other people as well. And we can almost sit there and instantly we have this bond instantly because yeah, yeah, you, you're talking about yeah. this. So w- when people ask me and, you know, I, l- I listen to the Cliff Breckman's and Bobo's and, you know, Wes and everybody out there, you know, cause I, I like to tune in. I, I'm an old dog. I'm 50, I'll be 53. And, uh, I, I feel like I could still learn and I always want to learn so that therefore I don't look at the people that are, might have a higher, um, mm. you know, I don't want to call them elites, but you know, the TV personalities or, yeah. or they're just, they're just well known that way. They still have a, a lot to, to offer with what they're doing. Um, you know, nobody really knows. Right. So and when people start to you, yeah. Yeah. Exactly yeah. And the, yeah. And the thing is, is I, I tell people that, you know, they say, well, do you go uh, bigfooting? I don't call it bigfooting. I call it hiking, but people call it bigfooting. Do you go bigfooting or squatching all over? And I'm like, no, I have one area, and this is where I am researching. And this is where I'm going to continue to research. So I can't tell you about California, Washington, um, all these other different states around me. I can tell you about what's here because I'm here. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. I keep that that's actually a lot of people say that's a good research method because you know the area, you know, when something is different, you understand right. what's in it and what's uh, when something is, uh, when something that isn't usually there turns up. You get exactly. Sorry, I was going to say just with, with Bigfoot with its own backyard, it's like your own backyard. The forest is backyard. If a tree is out of place, if it's a game cam on the side there, that's camouflage. That's not hidden. He sees it. He knows. So if you come into my house and you take a book out and put it somewhere else, I'll come into the house and I'll be like, hey, something's weird here. Right. Something's well, off. Well, but that, that's what's even weird is because, you know, I've been out there now for over seven years. Now, I'm not out there every day. I try to get out there weekly. And there is just something I heard that I found out it was a different type of bird that I've never heard in seven years out there, but it sounded very peculiar. Mm. You know, a lot of people are like, well, it's probably a bird. It could have been a mimic 
of of a Bigfoot. And I'm like, well, I guess we'd have to actually find said Bigfoot, watch him do said mimic to actually say that. So it's really hard for me yeah. to do that unless unless it was literally like a hoo-hoo, you know, something like <laughs> something like that. Then I would say, okay, well, it sounded like an owl, but then it turned into a, yeah. a gorilla. I'm um, more than prepared yeah. to believe that they mimic animals, but I mean, it's kind of jumping the gun. We've got to find out if they're there in the first place before we get onto the point well, of whether it, they mimic creatures. And that, because, that's exactly it. it, it yeah. To me, it's like, I, I know they're there, yeah. but I can't tell you what they are. That's what I can oh. say. There is, there is something there, but I don't know what they are. And if they do live in this habitat, whether it's in Wisconsin, California, the UK, Australia, it doesn't matter. They're using their surroundings like we use our cell phones or our yeah. computers. That's how they're using everything out there. So why couldn't they easily mimic? You know, I guess if we were living out there all the time and I wanted to call you, Andy, you know, I'd be like, hoo-hoo-hoo, you know, or whatever. I don't want to embarrass oh, myself. Or... I mean, I believe it's completely and utterly possible. I'm more referencing, um, I had some uh, researchers sending me some things at some point in forest in the UK. And then, yeah, they're in the forest, it's nighttime. Hoo-hoo! And they, the researcher says, that was a Bigfoot pretending to be an owl. Well, there's owls in that forest. So we can't exclude that to begin with. I mean, right, right. And he, he was actually there with his son, um, who was, I, I don't know how old he was, but a young boy. And uh, in the video, he says, I heard the noise that he says to his son, it sounded, he said, it sounded like a young boy. Was that you? And the son says, no, it wasn't me. And he said, that was a Bigfoot. Well, I'm thinking, okay, it could have been the owl, could have been a Bigfoot noise. The mimicry of the sun could have been a Bigfoot. But since you have an owl in the forest and the sun next to you, we can't validate that as <laughs> evidence of one. And to me, it's the lived experience I know is always completely different to the perceived one. You've experienced that with the hecklers and the trolls looking at a video and trying to pick little bits out to say why didn't you do this why didn't you do that because the lived experience is different but how do we resolve i mean are we looking for evidence i'm wondering how do we resolve the, the evidence side of things um how do we resolve it how do we match that up with our lived experience to show it to people do, do you have ideas about that i mean we can show them footprints perhaps but no. No, and, and this this is what it, what I tell people, and this is me. I'm like, they don't they either are gonna believe, not believe, or be in the middle of expanding. The ones that really don't, I'm not gonna waste my time. Mm -hmm. The ones that do, I could maybe help validate some of my experiences. But here's what I tell everybody: is I say, as much as you're listening to my voice as much as you are listening to what I'm saying tonight or the film that you watched that, uh, that I did for five years, don't take my word or that video's word on it. Yeah. Go out and discover it for yourself. It, it, it's like we were saying before, if you're going to go look for a turkey, you'll find a mm. turkey. If you're, if you, if you're going to look for the deer, deer, whatever you're going to look for. And I really do believe that if you're, if your heart is into it, you know, that's mm. the other thing is, is it's not so much that I'm going to go out and, and take one of these Bigfoot out and I'm going to shoot it. Um, I, it's basically go out there, enjoy nature for number one. Mm. Put put away the phone, the electronics. Go out with a loved one. Go out with family. Uh, if you're going to go out at night, be safe. Go with 
uh, a couple friends, make sure it's in safety and numbers. But I guarantee, this is what I'm almost going to say, I almost guarantee that you will have an experience or, or something unique will happen that you can identify with. And that's going to be your own personal truth. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it, it, I, I could show you if I had a cast or a strand of hair or a recording that I had, you weren't there. Now, if you really believe in this, you would say, wow, he's got something. But the, the skeptics that don't want to believe, they may never see. They'll just go out and hike, and if they hear something, they'll just count that off as a a bird or you know something else out there. But I, I really you know, do think human you know, reaction. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and that that's actually my next move is in the in the research, and I know that's crazy because people say it's a a dangerous um, animal, and some people say oh, it's supernatural. And me, you know what I do? I pray. I take the power of God, and I just say, you know, for protection. Um, but I go out and I, I, I want to make contact with one of these. And I don't. It sounds weird because if you're in the ghost world, you want to make contact. That's mm. almost demonic or satanic. Mm. Um, you know, with these, we don't know what they are. But I have fallen down this rabbit hole where I'm still falling, and I. It's like I, I know they're there, and I, I want to tell everybody, you know, and put up a flag, you know, Bigfoot is real, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what a Bigfoot is. It could, could be anything, but I want to know what, what they are. You know, I want to know, you know, their origin, their purpose, you know, that's the spirit of exploration and discovery, isn't it? And that's, I mean, that's what we're all addicted to in this genre. Um, regardless of what we're looking for, I think it's that, that age of discovery and exploration, which we've been told is past. Now, but it's not past because even with regular animals, species of known types of animals, we're still discovering new ones all the time, sometimes in very big ones. You know, the Billy ape was always very surprising to me. There's this ape nicknamed Lion Killers uh, by the locals in, in the Congo. They said six feet, six feet when, when standing. Um, yeah. That's huge. And still we know next to nothing about them. Right. Because you know their location, that's an amazing thing, and it's not very old that discovery. Really, not very old at all. And who would have believed that if the stories were coming out with there's some six foot tall apes that kill lions living in the Congo? Sure, there are. Right. Okay, well then there's this creature. It's kind of like um, a donkey with the legs of a zebra and the head of a giraffe, but it's got a really short neck. Um, yeah, sure, that sounds like a crazy creature. They were cappy. Right. I mean, right, right. There, there you go. I just think, I think the natural world is so amazing, and the natural abilities of natural creatures are so amazing. We just don't value them once we know how they work. We don't look at a chameleon and say, "What the hell?" Or an right. octopus, you know, um, camouflaging itself uh, uh, onto a rock or becoming the same shape as a piece of seaweed and floating away in the same manner. We well, don't... How, about, how about, how about that for the forever jellyfish? The oh, one wow. that yeah. doesn't even reproduce Something. itself. Yeah. It just kind of could live forever or, or better yet. People keep saying because they're matching up again, going back to Sasquatch, they're matching up to, to primates, to monkeys, mm. to us. So if they see a gray one, that one has to be 90 years old. And I'm like, yeah, how do, do you know, uh, when was this, uh, four years ago, 
um, they actually uh, were crabbing, um, you know, in the ocean, mm. and they actually pulled up a lobster they crushed, and they thought it looked very unique. Uh, this is really an incredible story. Uh, it was a it was a dead lobster now, but they crushed it, and uh, they found out uh, by doing the autopsy and whatever they were going to do uh-huh. to the, the specimen that this lobster was 400 years old. <laughs> okay. So again, what would have happened if they didn't crush it? Then, okay, we're, those are marine, but then I'm like, what about the macaw, the birds that yeah. can live up to, or, or tortoise, um, that can, oh, live there was that the, long. uh, the very famous Galapagos, uh, giant tortoise, which I belonged to one of the, it was one of the Raj, it was during the Raj, it was one of the Indian princes, I can't remember which one. Yeah. And no. he was relocated afterwards and died recently, 256 years old. So again, not, not, that, not going into Star Wars and Yoda and all that, because yeah. Yoda was 900 years old. But what, what, what if these, what if the, I don't even want to call them creatures, and I'm going to go on a limb, I, I call them people, because if I'm going to go out in the woods and I want an animal. I'm going to bang on a tree and howl, and, and, and I'll, I'll get a monkey. I'll get something angry. If I go out there with some respect, mm. I feel like I'm going to get that back. Therefore, there's that bond. And I think that if 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 they do, and they're that evasive here, or elusive, mm. elusive, then, you know, what if that's how they keep their numbers down because of their longer longevity of life okay. yeah. yeah so therefore again these are the theories but i'm like well, we don't know yeah right I mean, that's, that's the native the native americans that were here a couple hundred years ago that saw them and they thought they were spirit gods of the forest what if it's the same one that i saw mm-hmm. uh you know a couple of years ago in the kettle that looked like you know a long stringy you know or a long gangly mm-hmm. uh chimpanzee named daryl or hank or whatever and he was from you know, whatever, a couple hundred years ago. And that's how they keep the population down, uh, their population control by, wow. you know, maybe maybe reproducing every 100 or 200 years to keep sure. it down. Who, again, who knows? It's all but, up for grabs, I think yeah, is what you're saying. It's, it's all up for grabs. And that, but that, what that, you're also what saying is there are other creatures in nature that in nature. we wouldn't expect to be able to do that. They do, so why not? This animal, and I completely agree with that. Yeah. But one of the exciting things about cryptozoology is essentially it is all up for grabs. Um, so it gives a lot of freedom to theory, you know, and I, and and f- to come up with your own theories. I like that about it. Not to say that we should just throw anything out there, but exactly. generally speaking, it's it's welcoming, it's open to different points of view, you know. Um, now, you know, straying away from uh, the Sasquatch side of things in your bio that you had a UFO sighting when you were a child mm-hmm. and that's something you've done quite a lot of uh, exploration into as well so just tell us about your UFO sighting I and mean, it's fascinating to me really somebody who's not terribly interested in that genre but grew up in a nation where there were a, there was a big rash of UFO sightings right. when I was a child yeah, it, it's it, amazing uh, to me to wonder what they could be or what, what, what's your experience and what's your take on it you know, before getting into that, it was about a year prior that I was um, actually at my next door neighbor's house. I had to have been oh, seventy-seven, so I'm about ten years old, and he was 
eight and we were playing star wars figures i remember this like like it was yesterday and I was over at his house up in his bedroom he had the millennium falcon it was the coolest thing man he had all the toys and we were sitting on his windowsill and uh it was i remember it was a beautiful sunny day with clouds kind of fierce bueller type look and we we're sitting on his windowsill because it was almost like um, a makeshift toy box too so you can actually sit up there and all of a sudden everything went black for what seemed like five seconds now when i mean black i mean just close your eyes and hold them yeah. closed for five seconds it was weird um because i didn't know what just happened but here's the really weird thing is my my friend dave he looked at me and he goes did the lights just go out so this is in the middle of the afternoon on a summer day mm. um there's no way that we could have both shared a blackout for that short a time and again back then i wasn't really into it it was just kind of a huh okay that was weird but i still remember it you know almost what 40 years 40 years ago for somewhere around there 37 years ago um but a year later is okay now i'm at my house it was a friday night and my sister was coming home from a school event and i remember her coming in it was around 10 o'clock at night and she's she's crying she's hysterical she's saying we're being invaded we're being invaded and i'm like what and so my mom comes on she goes you got to check this out we've been following it all the way home from the school all the way to home so it was uh my older brother my younger brother me and my sister we all went out we all looked in the night sky and you can see this thing where um where it looked like there was lights going around it, kind of spinning, mm -hmm. spinning around like this, but nothing on top or bottom. So it was just the lights. And it was just going like this, and then it was hovering, and then it would go out, and it would be across the lake, that we were in front of a lake, all the way across the lake doing the same thing, spinning and sitting there for a little bit. And then it looked like it was hovering a little bit. Boom, it would go out, and then it would be, it was almost making <clears throat> a triangle move to come back mm -hmm. to where my next-door neighbor's house was, which is... <clears throat> really odd you know actually i didn't even put those two together you know I, I tell the blackout story and i tell the ufo story all the time well oh, that's the same neighbor the same neighbor oh. he wasn't out with us at the time you know it was late and you know he was a kid so he, i'm sure he was sleeping um and i remember then it was right above us over the neighbor's house and you know i'm not the best with 100 percent guesstimating with distance and mm and stuff like that but i'm going to say my you know my best guess maybe a maybe a football field maybe two football fields above our house you couldn't hear nothing you couldn't see through the spinning lights and then it just hovered and just kept going going blink out gone so that was like a really long mass sighting mm. it was really cool and at that time uh i always say this is that um my grandpa Kay, my mom's dad, was in the early chapters of MUFON in Chicago. Oh. And boy, oh boy, when we told him this sighting, a ten year old and his grandpa, lifelong bond. <laughs> he was he was he was he was probably like the original Fox Mulder, you know what I mean? He's yeah. old now and everything, but we would just talk. He'd tell me about his stories of what he has seen, what he's learned, and that was kind of <clears throat> my life before ghosts, before Bigfoot, before cryptids was pretty much all strictly UFOs, aliens and all that. Wow. So, yeah. Well, I think it's a, yeah, it's a fascinating 
world, actually. And again, although it's something I never paid particular mind to, it was something called the Welsh Triangle, uh, mm. I think back in the 70s and 80s in the area of Pembrokeshire, also Monmouth in Wales. And we knew people who'd seen things. Um, my family, they ran a, a martial arts federation uh, when we were growing up. And the original sensei, who wasn't part of our family, uh, a guy called Colin Pike, he'd had, a, I suppose, a very close visitation with a triangular-shaped UFO uh, in some country lane, walking home from a pub late at night in Pembrokeshire. And he said this thing literally just stopped like 200 feet above his head and it was right over him for a minute or something like that. Uh, I can't remember how to describe the lights on it, but it was essentially you know, a triangular-shaped um, an identified flying object um, that I always thought, well, okay, that's kind of, he was a very straight-up guy, mm-hmm. you know, um, honesty and truthfulness was a big part of that martial art that they were teaching us, so he probably wouldn't have lied. And many other people had these things, but, you know, besides, there was just so many of them. Years later now, looking at drone technology and some of the, the spy vehicles that we've come up with, I often wonder if a lot of those things back then were you know, the um, prototypes, the types of things we're seeing on the common market now, or you know, right. the military using. There's so many similarities. Now, of course, one can argue that you know, one preceded the other and could be based upon the things that we saw or captured. And oh, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah. So who knows? I mean, who knows? Of course, there are alien sightings too. So it's hard to just say. <laughs> They're just uh, vehicles. Now, that's something I want to ask you about, actually, um, before we finish it. And this, I often encounter in this um, in this genre, I encounter this issue where we might feel it's plausible to be into Sasquatch, but think that Dogman is ridiculous, for example. Or we might think that, yeah, sure, you know, I believe in Nessie, but mermaids, that's fantastical. Mm-hmm. And I, there's an element of, um, you know, um, one man's meat is another man's poison to it. Yeah. Now, I realize that somebody doesn't believe in any of these things. You say Sasquatch, Nessie, UFOs, mermaids. It's like saying the same thing mm-hmm. all the way across. Right. How, where, where does your, where does your faith, as it were, the, the, the limit of your belief end with these fantastical and unknown beings and creatures? Would you say yes to mermaids? Mermaids could be a thing, or would you think that's perhaps you know too much of the folkloric and um, physiologically impossible? You know, in this way, I tell my wife, and she would she would tell you that right here, but she won't come on and say it. Oh, she should say hi. <laughs> no, and she she always says uh uh-uh, uh, but uh, I say as soon as I'm done with Bigfoot, I'm going unicorns. Uh. And she's like, oh, no, you're not. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, I, I'm joking about that. But, no, how about how about the, the balls of light that are in the woods? Yeah. I mean, are they related to Bigfoot, Dogman, Cryptids, whatever? Junction, yeah. Yeah, so th- there's, there's so much, but I, I don't know. I guess whatever is um, accessible to me because, you know, Unfortunately, it's you know I'm not a millionaire and I can't travel the world and sure. and, and look at all these other different. If I did, I would stop by to see you, Andy, because you know oh, I love, love that. 
yeah. I'd love to visit out there. Um, but you know, what's feasible is right here in my neck of my wood. You know, I've got the beast of Bray road, yeah. uh, right up here. And that's just not the road, but it's the surrounding area and it's all right before the kettle yet. I'm finding uh, more signs of behavior of Bigfoot. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm good friends with Linda Godfrey, her grandson's yeah. good, best friends with my son. Um, and we have totally, you know, gone on investigations down these areas, but not just Bray Road, but it's all of Elkhorn. What, what are these? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know where I would stop because like you were saying about mermaids, you know, as soon as you say you believe in mermaids, well, makes sense. You oh, believe you, in Bigfoot, right? Exactly. It, it's yeah. almost like it's kind of like stepping over a line that you can't return from. Whereas if I were to investigate mermaids, my like people used to, in fact, my first point would be what physiological creature are people mistaking for some semi-human being? You know, is there just a sea creature that in the right circumstances right, and the state of shock right. resembles that? Like the old, what was the old, uh, it used to be that sailors, too many went to sea saw sea cows and went, ooh, right. a beautiful mermaid. And of course, standards were a lot lower back in those days. Right, exactly. They didn't. They didn't have to look like Ariel, the Little Mermaid. No, I mean no. just a just a nice tubby sea cow, and that was good for all of those guys. But yeah, it's it's always interested me. Um, I yeah, I love watching new stuff. I love just keeping abreast of, of what's going on with you. There's two reasons for it. One, there's that it's interesting and it's in the subject that I I uh, I really love. But the second one is that you're positive. The interactions I see you have with people are positive interactions. And this genre, unfortunately, has um, a lot of negativity to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I've theorized for a long time that perhaps, you know, it's a small pond, but lots of big fish, not much to eat, so they devour each other. Or is it just, you know, the normal competition that comes along with life? I don't know what it is, but there's something going on. Just to finish off, how do you keep so positive and how do you keep these these good relationships with everybody. Well, number one, thank you very much, brother. I appreciate yeah. that. I, um, I, I like to say, oh, I joke with people and just say I'm half human, half alien hybrid, which always gets the laugh. But realistically, I am human. I do have my faults. I, I, I do get upset. Maybe you don't see this on social media or in my documentary or here. I am human. But at the same time, I do. I, I try to keep that positive outlook. Just, you know, I, I could actually contribute everything to God, to Jesus who died for me, knowing that I have a place that I'm going to go to is a, is a great thing. So all this white noise around me is not the end of all ends. And yeah. and, and I do look at that because I know there are a lot of people that um, that talk, you know, really talk the talk, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, they just they love to hear themselves. We all do. We're human. I understand that. Yeah. But uh, but what I mean is that they know everything. And honestly, yeah. I let people talk, uh, and that's okay because if you think about this, we're everybody who's doing this is researching is in the kind of in the same boat. We're all heading to the same truth. Whether the the goal is to get up there as fast as you can to claim that that discovery to get that yeah. million dollars or that Nobel prize or whatever you're trying to go for. That's the whole different part of it, but we're all doing the same thing. Uh, so I, 
I guess I just kind of look at people and let them be who they want to be. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that's, uh, you know, the exact answer of just staying positive, you know, but I, I, I say that I, I say this when I, when I pray with my kids at night is I, I always pray for the provisions. I always say we have a roof over our house, a bed to sleep in clothes, food, that's what God is providing. That's all we need. We don't need the materialistic things. We don't need, mm-hmm. you know, this. Or that's like I said when I put out my documentary. I um, yeah, I almost c- kind of didn't want to because I liked being below the radar. Mm-hmm. I liked I liked being that way. I liked being able to investigate, doing what I want to do, and nobody nitpicking or or leaving it's bad reviews random. or telling you this. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you do put yourself out there, and so it, it's that way. But to stay positive, I, I, I just, I guess, I just always say that, you know, I believe in Jesus who died for me, and He's in my heart, and His Spirit's in my heart, and I just hopefully can be more like Him, and that when people see that through me, that I'm trying to be more like Him. I, I guess that's the best I way I can explain good. it. I think that's possibly from my point of view, anyway, the best answer you could have given. <laughs> Um, now, just just before we go, tell people where they can find you, how to get a hold of the movie, why they absolutely must watch it, and I believe they should, and um, and and you know how how can they support you? What what's going on? Yeah. How can they make Jay a part of their everyday life? Uh, their everyday. You can find me. Do you like that Finding Jay? The name yeah. of the documentary, Finding Jay. <laughs> uh, you can actually. Find me all the time on my website, jbachochin.com. I'm sure Andy will put that in the link because it's a very unique last name, just jbachochin.com. You can also find me on Facebook. And on Facebook, I have a bunch of different pages of my research, of um, Finding Jay, my documentary. Uh, You can go on Amazon Prime to find Finding Jay. It's free to watch. Uh, I tell people... You know, if it's saying finding Jay, it's not about missing four one one and they found Jay. Mm. It's 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 my journey into the world of, of Bigfoot and what it is and the experiences I've had. That um, I will not throw Bigfoot in your face in this movie. At the same time, watch it with an open mind and just see. Let the evidence uh, lay where where it lays. You know where it falls. Um, and pretty much. I, I'm always open. I always answer everybody's uh, emails if they send them to me, messages, anything I could do to help out. I'd love, you know, love to hear from you. So that's great, Jay. And I will put all the links in the in the description for these clips as well. Jay, thank you so much for coming on. It's been too long in the waiting, but it was well worth waiting for, buddy. Thanks for coming. Thank you very much for having me on, Andy. Take care. Bye. Right, bye.